man. <clears throat> okay, let's go home. No. I want you to get that. It's not that you don't have it. I, I believe if we sat here long enough, you would finally realize that's what I was trying to get out of you. And, and uh, that's what we're talking about, commitment. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, you don't need to turn there. This is a, one of the translations. It says, the early church, or they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, their life together, the common meal, and prayers. All right? So they committed themselves. So we need to be committed to who? Jesus Christ, to God the Father, and we need to be committed to one another. Right, the local church. And uh, that's, why, that's why it's so important that, you, that you're part of a local church. Amen? In fact, I, I have a rule. I won't counsel you or sit down and talk to you. I might do it once. I might do it twice. But if you're not going to come to church, bye. Amen? Because it's important. The local church is important. So Harvest Church is committed to what? Serving and sharing Jesus Christ. We said commitment means this. It's a dedication to a long-term course of action. I can remember vividly, and it was probably this time of year, sitting at 1315 Fifth Street, where I grew up in Fairbury, Nebraska, sitting on a front porch. You know, I, I like front porches, and <clears throat> this we lived in a big, big house, and we had a big front porch that was out in front of the street, and I was sitting on the front porch, and I just had graduated from junior college, Southeast Community College, and I was sitting out there, and I'll never forget this, looking up, and it was daytime, looking up, and I said, to, said this to God, Lord, I'll do whatever you call me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. If you want me to work behind the scenes, I'll do anything. Even if it's insignificant, I'll do it. I'll never forget that. And I think God the Father took me up on that. And I uh, went to Bible school and then came here. And But see, that's what commitment's all about. We said commitment. There's certain, certain things that, that are, there's some requirements involved if you and I are going to be committed. We said last week it was this, number one was the surrender of your what? Your will. John 9, verse 4, Jesus said, For me there's no option, no other option, for what is before me is certain, certainly compulsory. I was sent specifically for this mission and this moment, and I will answer to the one who sent me regarding how I carry out this assignment. Therefore, I must give myself completely to the task before me and do it enthusiastically and passionately. Now, I like that translation. But, you know, was Jesus Christ committed to us, committed to you? How committed was he to die on a cross for you, to die on a cross for me? He went to hell for you. He went to hell for me. He paid the ultimate price of giving his life. And we can't get our sorry keister out of bed and go to church. Amen? 
Christians today, especially in America, they don't understand what commitment's all about. All right? We said last week that the salvation of a sinner is the will of God, and Jesus had surrendered his will to that cause. And so when we talk about commitment, we needed to be committed to the will of God, don't we? Don't we? What is the will of God? The salvation of sinners. Bottom line. So everything we do, we might not, you know, everything we do, but ultimately we need to be concerned about the lost. We need to be concerned about those that haven't given their hearts and lives to Christ. And so whatever we do, even if we're a small church, we have to think about how are we going to reach out to those that don't know Jesus. Now, let's go on. Look in Acts chapter 1. So commitment requires a surrender of your will and my will. The next thing commitment requires, it demands action. Everyone say action. If you're committed to do whatever God's called you to do, you're going to act. You're going to do what he calls you to do. There's not going to be any, you know, doubt nor belief. You're, you're just going to do it. And we see this in Jesus, is our, the ult- ultimate exam- example of surrendering his will and then acting upon the Father's words. And we find this in Acts chapter 1. I've, I've always liked this, and I'll never forget Nancy Gray preaching this message. It's stuck. It says in verse 1, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to what? To do and teach. Say it. Do and teach. So when the Father gave his Son and instructions and told him what to do and where to go, and the Spirit led him, did he do it? Yes, he was always obedient. So if you're committed, you're going to be obedient. A committed faith will always be manifested in obedient obedient action to God's revealed will. Let me say it again. A committed faith will always be manifested in obedient action to God's will. Look at Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. So yes, Jesus Christ is the great teacher, but he's a great doer. In Acts chapter 10 verse 38, you all know this scripture. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So, do you see he was a doer? And you can read in James about being a doer. Look at Matthew 10. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10, verse 5. 
This is where the 12 are commissioned and sent out. Matthew 10 and verse 5 says, These 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, is there action tied to that? <laughs> Cleansing the lepers, raising the dead, and casting out devils. And, you know, there, you need to teach the Word. God always confirms His Word with signs and wonders and miracles, so that's priority. But you still have to lay your hands on the sick. You still need to anoint people with oil. Look at Mark 16. I, I could quote it, but I'm going to read it to you. Mark 16. So Jesus was commissioned to do. The apostles were commissioned to go out and be doers, act on their faith. And in Mark 16, it says in verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So if you're going to go somewhere, you've got to put your foot, one foot in front of another. Action. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. Now, does this just refer to the apostles? No. In my name they will cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. See, speaking in other tongues, when you pray in the Spirit, I pray in the Spirit a lot. That's acting on your faith. Does your head understand it? No, because it's of your spirit, it's of the heart. That's, an, that's action, doing something. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will what? Recover. See, you and I have to act out our faith. Act out our faith. You've got to do something. You need to be a doer, not just a hearer. That's why it's so important as a church when we do something, you know, there's action involved. Whatever, you know, we ha we're to do, we do it. Like, you know, with night to shine, there's action involved in that. That's acting out our faith. God says, you know, he loves us and we're to love one another. Well, if you really love someone, you're going to act out your faith and do something. And be a blessing. So commitment demands action. I want to read this to you. I got a book about from adversity to success, from fear to victory. It's called Wisdom of the Generals, and I've had it, and I've used it for years. But here's some great generals' comments as far as commitment. Douglas MacArthur, it is fatal to enter any war without the will to win it. It's fatal to enter any war without the will to win it. So do you have a will to overcome the devil? Napoleon said, if you start to take Vienna, take Vienna. Genghis Khan, the merit of the action lies in finishing it to the end. General Grant, I propose to fight it out on this line if it takes all summer. 
Do you see the commitment? Hannibal. He says, we will either find a way or make one. But see, we don't find that attitude in the body of Christ and believers today. We're wishy-washy. Go to Walmart, sit your butt down on a chair, and watch the people that come in the door. Not everybody, you're smiling. There was a video you could go on and and the people at Walmart, I remember what it was years ago we saw it, and oh my God, how they were dressed. And it showed one where a kid just lifted his leg and defecated there right on the floor. And then somebody else came and stepped in it. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. But see, that's the shape society today, and folks, it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. But we don't have to be like them. We should be getting stronger. We should be getting better. We should be getting more committed. You know, I was so blessed the other night when I came, and every we had all those people show up for trash pickup. There was a point where Pastor Brad wondered if we should quit, if it was worth going on. And I agreed with you. I thought, if we can't get people to come and pick up trash in the ditch, how can we go on as a church and be effective? Well, we didn't quit, did we? We stuck with it. And so, it did, huh? We tweaked it. Yeah, and that was her idea. Go to a Wednesday night. That was a good idea. Instead of taking a Saturday when people don't want to pick up trash, they want to enjoy, you know, things with their family and stuff like that. But I was so blessed that we had that turnout, and it didn't take very long. Amen? He says, what the generals are saying here is that if you're going to do something, then do it. Half-hearted efforts are a total waste of time and resources. Moreover, if you are leading the effort, you can't expect any of your followers to be more committed than you are. So if you give a nice pep talk about how important some task is and then leave the scene for some comfortable surroundings, you can expect very little commitment from anyone on this important task. If the task is truly crucial, you simply shouldn't get involved unless you plan to go all the way. How many, maybe I shouldn't have you do this. How many of you have ever started something and quit? <laughs> Especially when you're young. If there's adversity and resistance and things don't go your way, it's just easy to quit. He said, uh, in business, it's just plain stupid and perhaps unfair to those who follow you. In war, it's criminal. Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, instantly grasped the difference between Ulysses S. Grant and many of his other generals. I cannot spare this man, Lincoln said. He fights. When someone pointed out rumors that Grant drank, Lincoln retorted, Tell me his brand so that I may say, send the same to all my generals. Amen. We need to be committed. Now, look at Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12. So commitment requires a surrender of your will. Commitment demands action. 
And this is, this is the important one because if you're truly committed to God, you're going to see the big picture. Say big picture. And it's hard for many. Some people are, are gifted. They're visionaries. They can see it. I'll never forget when I was in a meeting at Cornerstone many, many years ago, there was a prophetic woman that was up front, and I was sitting up front with all the ministers, and she looked at me, and she said some things over me, and she said, you know, basically, the knowings are greater for you than the seeings. In other words, I know things, but I just don't see them, okay? Some people, you know it. Some people are visionary. They see it. So we're all wired differently. But all of us need to see the big picture when it comes to, to what God's called us to do or what, what he's called all of us to do. In Hebrews chapter 12, here again, Jesus, the ultimate example, it says, verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us limp with endurance the race. No, is that what it says? Let us run, I'm sorry. With endurance the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's talk about the big picture. Did Jesus Christ see the big picture? Did he see the end result? Yes, he did, and that's why he could do what he did. But a lot of us as believers, we're so caught up in our own little world. All we see is just a little thing around us, and we can't see any farther down the line or down the road. But we need to expand our vision and see the big picture. That word endured here in the Scriptures means this in the Greek. It's a person who's under some type of incredibly heavy load, but refuses to stray from his position because he's committed to his task. That's what, you know, Jesus, did he have a heavy load? <laughs> you, you think you got it tough, and maybe you're here today, and you've got some, I've got some burdens. I've got a heavy load, preacher. Well, Jesus himself had an incredibly heavy load, but he refused refused to stray from his mission. Why? He was committed. He saw the big picture. Jesus was committed to endure the cross because the shedding of his blood was the only way to purchase our freedom from Satan, sin, and the effects of the curse that Adam's disobedience brought upon the human race. He knew it was the shedding of his blood that was the only thing that was going to rescue us and redeem us. That's why he was so committed. It says here, that's, there's a, a passage that says, For the joy that was set before him. What's he mean? The joy, did, did he see you and I down the line getting saved? Yeah. 
He saw you and me and the multitudes that would be saved, but he saw something else. Jesus also saw by faith the big picture, the finish line. His eyes were on the empty throne at the right hand of the Father that one day he would sit down upon when his victory was complete. So Jesus Christ, you he saw the big picture. You and I need to see it. There, there is more, and don't take this wrong. I, I think it, it's vital that we come together on Sunday morning, and God wants us to do that as a body to come together and fellowship and have fun and rejoice and worship and share our triumphs and pray for the sick and encourage those that are discouraged. But we, we, there's more than that. What do you do the other six days of the week? How do you live out your faith the other six days of the week? Are you committed to living your life as a believer those other six days? Or do you just put your Sunday clothes on and come to church on Sunday? And, oh, I put, your, put my time, my 90 minutes in and, you know, whatever. No, that's not the... We need to be committed every day, 24-7. God demands that. God expects that. And granted, there's times we all fall short, but he's a God of mercy. Commitment to God requires seeing the big picture, the end result. Commitment to God and his kingdom requires a goal that keeps you motivated in difficult times. Okay, so Dean, he said you got to kick more than 10 times. Did you kick more than 10 times? Okay, did you ever use it on anybody? You, you, you don't kick everybody, but how you think different. Mm -hmm. So whatever you do, you got to practice. You got to practice your faith every day. You got to give somebody on Monday an encouraging word or pray for the sick. You can't just wait for Sunday and then just be a Christian on Sunday, but you need to be a committed Christian every day. Hebrews 10:38 says, "Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him." That's quite a scripture. Let me read it again. Hebrews 10:38 now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So God does not take pleasure in people that believers that are not committed to their faith. Is that right? God the Father isn't pleased when you and I don't go the extra mile, but we end up quitting. We give up. Too many Christians quit before they see their goals fulfilled. Too many Christians quit before they see their goals fulfilled. 
because they quit pressing in because, of, of course, resistance, but because of a lack of commitment. How many of you know, let me, let me see your hands on this one, how, and I'm almost done. How many, how many of you know a fellow believer that quit going to church? Let me see your hands. Now, why do you suppose they quit going to church? They got offended. Hearts are hardened. Distracted. Feelings. That's right. But a lot of, lot, let me say this, and those are all legitimate answers. You're not going to like what I'm about to say. And you can, you're a coach. But many Christians just are lazy. Well, that went over big. I said, many Christians are just lazy. You've been lazy. I've been lazy. But if you're truly committed, you're going you're gonna to pick yourself up. And you're going to get back in the fight again. Amen? Look at Hebrews 2. I'm almost done. I'll quit on this one. Then I got one more. We'll, we'll do that another time. Jesus Christ didn't quit. Commitment requires a surrender of your will to God's will. Commitment requires obedient action. A commitment requires seeing the big picture, the end result. That's one thing. My father sees me, but he sees me complete in Christ. He sees me finishing the good work that he's begun. He see, see, that's the thing. And as a pastor, sometimes you can get so caught up in, in the mistakes people made, yet we're all works in progress. We need to see each other overcoming, victorious. Here, here's Jesus in Hebrews 2. It says in verse 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things in, now listen to this phrase, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. So he saw down the line many sons and daughters. Too many Christians quit before they see their goals fulfilled because they quit pressing in because of resistance and lack of commitment. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't quit? John 4.35 states, Behold, I say to you, these are the words of Jesus. He said, Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they're already white for harvest. 2 Timothy 2.10 says, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, 
Why do we do what we do as Christians? I know you need to ask yourselves, why do you do what you do? What's your heart like? Are you committed? Could you be more committed? I could be. <laughs> Listen, if the preacher has to deal with his physical, his flesh, and his thought life, amen? I can't quit. Got to have that mindset. Okay, say, I can't quit. Say it again. I can't quit. Jesus didn't quit. You can't quit. I can't quit. You got to keep going. No matter how hard and difficult it is, you and I have to keep going, putting one foot in front of the other. And then learning how to encourage someone. I told you I've had a friend that was in four-stage cancer and basically gave him up to die, and they took half his liver. They took most of his colon, and he's still going strong. But you know what he's doing now? He's going out to the hospital, and he's sitting down with cancer patients that are being infused. They're getting their chemo. And he's telling them, you can't quit. You got to keep going. Look at me. I'm still alive. Get committed to God and get committed to helping someone else. Change it up like she said. Let's stand on our feet this morning. One more we'll go, we'll take care of next week. And then we're going to go on and talk about serving and sharing. And I bet you won't forget next week when I say, what kind of church is Harvest Church? That's pretty good. Now, you won't forget that, will you? Yeah? Just remember that tomorrow when you wake up. When you wake up in the morning, I'm committed to serving and sharing Jesus Christ today. Father, I thank you for your, your word today. Thank you, Lord. These people are surrendering, surrendering their will to you. They have surrendered your, their will to you, Lord, to your divine plan. Thank you, Lord God. There are people that are acting out their faith on a daily basis. And they endure every day because they see the big picture, others coming into the kingdom. Father, I thank you for your anointing upon them, all of us, to go out and be an example of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I call the people of Harvest Church committed to serving and sharing your Son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, they're willing and obedient this day and every day in Jesus' name, amen. Anyone today you need prayer for your physical body? I want to be sensitive to that. Your throat? Oh, it's called allergies. It's from being around him. How are you doing? You're better. Okay. Father, in the name of of Jesus. We take authority over anything, Lord, that would cause congestion, 
and her to be miserable. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. We can lay hands on the sick, and healing is in the name of Jesus. So we loose that healing anointing today. Thank you, Lord, that she's able to breathe freely in Jesus' name. Amen. Why are you here? We already prayed for you. Mono, is that what they said? Well, okay, but you're feeling stronger every day? You're still tired? Well, Father, you said we could pray and lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. We, we've gotten our faith out there, Lord, over a week for her, Lord, and that mono is a curse of the law and she's been redeemed from it. And I say in the name of Jesus, she shall regain her strength. She can do all things through Christ who strengthens her. So, Lord, strengthen her spirit, soul, and body in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father. Supernatural quick recovery in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, ma'am. What's that? Oh, okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, we loose healing upon her back, her muscles, her shoulders specifically. In the name of Jesus, for healing is in the name. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Yes, ma'am. What's wrong with you, Hackett girls? I had one here last week. You got what now? Well, then don't run. But you're committed. Exactly. Father, if you know what shin splints are like, they, they're painful. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray and speak healing, Lord, to her ankles. In the name of Jesus, and she'll run and not be weary and walk and not faint. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, no more Heckards <laughs> up here. Amen. Thank you, Lord for being committed to bringing my thing here. Well, say I'm a committed believer. You better believe it. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night for prayer. Thank you.